Doug Tyrrell History and Comment is available weekdays on iHeartRadio. Hello, friends. I'm Doug Terrell. This is History and Comment for Wednesday, the 29th day of November, 2023. More Catholic history today. While I take issue with many of the Catholic dogmas, sometimes they provide an insight into the interaction between the divinely led ideal and human institutions. We just happen to have a lot of Catholic history, so a lot of examples to draw from. In 1549, a papal conclave begins. Now, in a perfect world, this gathering would be wrapped in prayer and spiritual guidance, and a clear choice would come quickly. But this is not a perfect world. The meeting will take nine weeks to pick a new pope. But this is not the record. That would go to the one that elected Pope Gregory X. It began in 1268 and took nearly three years. Now, unless you think I'm slanted, I'm just as perplexed with small Protestant churches who have an opening and a handful of prospective candidates come forward. Now, the simple fact is, the Lord did not tell all of them it was His will for them to be the new pastor. Most of them had a simple bean dream. Or to quote Ebenezer Scrooge in his conversation with Jacob Marley's ghost, there is more gravy than grave in you. San Jose, California is founded as the first civilian settlement in Upper California in 1777. The Spanish name was Pueblo de San Jose de Guadalupe. Let's not forget that San Jose has religious overtones. The English for San is Saint. During the American Civil War, there were several times when the Confederates nearly missed a chance to defeat federal forces. Many battles leaned towards the Confederates. Even Gettysburg was quite close. The Confederates just did not have the numbers to push the matter. In 1864, with less than six months left in the war, Confederate forces engaged Federals near Spring Hill, Tennessee. Like most battles, the plans and what actually happened were worlds apart, and Southern forces failed to defeat the Northern Army. Oxford scholar and author C.S. Lewis is born in 1898. Lewis is known for the Chronicles of Narnia series and the Christian apologetics work, Mere Christianity. Lewis was a close friend with J.R.R. Tolkien, and the two worked to see who could write the most fantastic tale. Speaking of writers, in this case, a songwriter of more earthy works, Merle Travis is born in 1917. Travis was a native of Rosewood, Kentucky, in the western Kentucky coalfields, not far from John Prine's Paradise. Travis was quite skilled as a guitar player, and his style certainly influenced another Kentucky duo years later, the Everly Brothers. Merle's first successful song credit was as the writer of Tennessee Ernie Ford's 16 Tons. The song he is most remembered for was never a chart success, but is well-remembered and been covered dozens of times. Another tale of the coal patch, Dark as a Dungeon. If you want a lesson in how different artists can mold a song, search YouTube for Gordon Lightfoot's version. Continuing our study of how country music is entwined with gospel, Travis, Grandpa Jones, and two others formed the Browns Ferry Four, one of the most recorded and popular gospel groups of the late 40s and early 50s. The godfather of bodybuilding, Joe Weider, is born in 1919. Certainly training can and does have an effect, but some folks just do not have the genetics. Joseph Shrivers is born in 1920. His name is not on the tip of the tongue, 
but he was a chemist and the inventor of DuPont Fiber K. You know it as lacquer or spandex. Shivers was no hack. He earned a Ph.D. in organic chemistry. President Eisenhower was first and foremost a soldier and army man. While on the campaign trail, he promised to find a way to end the Korean War, or conflict if you please. On this day, just days after being elected the next president, he travels to Korea for a first-hand look. The question begs asking, could a retired five-star general and now president-elect get a true picture? It may be true of any large organization, but there is a general panic in the military to give a good presentation to superiors. If you've never seen this, go watch a few episodes of M.A.S.H., the one dealing with MacArthur's visit is a fine example, or any number of episodes where Margaret Houlihan will be the subject of a military inspection. One of Eisenhower's cards to play, and he bluffed it, was the nuclear option. It worked. Days into his presidency, President Johnson appoints a commission led by Chief Justice Earl Warren to investigate the assassination of President Kennedy. The group will have power to subpoena witnesses and hear testimony. They will issue their 800-plus page report the next fall. Sixty years after, we're still debating if they actually got to the truth of the matter. Atari, do we need to discuss who they were, releases the first commercially successful video game on this day in 1972. Do you recall the name? It was called Pong. The developers were electronic engineers who were wading into a completely new field, merging computers, video screens, and an arcade game. Success took a while to gain momentum. The early prototypes were rejected by gaming giant Bally. The pair were convinced of the concept and built a few games and placed them into bars around central California. They found the games were netting nearly $3,000 per week in today's money. Still, there were no takers, so they built the games themselves. Pong will last for about 18 months, with 8,000 of the arcade cabinets built. Atari will only last for a decade. One note, two electronic guys working for Atari in the early 70s will make a name for themselves in another fledgling electronic market. Steve Wozniak and Stephen Jobs. Of course, they went on to form Apple Computers. I mentioned the other day I wanted to discuss just what an expert was. This is a word that is commonly known and may be used, but just exactly what it is an expert. A couple of grassroots definitions are a drip under pressure and someone who is more than 50 miles from home. The latter is closely linked to the biblical proverb that a prophet is not without honor, save in his own country. That does have some validity. An expert does need to have a very high level of knowledge in a subject matter, but book knowledge alone is not enough. There needs to be experience, some level of trial and error. When discussing the various education degrees, it's understood that a bachelor's degree encompasses a wide range of general knowledge and more specialized but general knowledge in a specific field. A master's degree expends the general knowledge to mastery of knowledge in a rather specific area. To earn a PhD, one has to research and gain specialized knowledge and expand the body of knowledge in a very specific area. If a person repeats a task, at first they have frequent failures, then they get to a point where they can repeat the task successfully most times. 
In failures, they learn the failure modes and where the process can be altered without issues and where it cannot. They will have learned the variables and how to control them. In physical tasks, there is an element of muscle memory. The first time you have to think about a task, by the 25th or 50th or 100th, there is less thinking and more intuition. A video came across my feed this morning showing a three-year-old toddler who could run a mini-excavator. Clearly he had connections and dad was playing along. By the time he's a teenager, he will have a lot of experience. There is a downside here also. At three, he should be playing in the sandbox with Tonka toys instead of the real thing. Besides the lack of brain development to understand consequences, he will be robbed of the fantasy that should be part of childhood. Maple Leaf with Tonka toys in the sandbox does have a place. There are decades to be an adult. But back to experts. Failure is a very good teacher, and with experience does come some failure. I would propose that an expert is a person with knowledge of the theory, practical application, practice, and observation of the failure modes. Some media folks I like to follow are talking about a new Christmas movie that just started streaming over the Thanksgiving weekend. It's called Jingle Smells. It stars John Schneider and can be downloaded at jinglesmells.movie. That's history and comment for the 29th day of November. I'm Doug Tyrrell. Now, go do something worth remembering.